invite you to open your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew is we're going to begin a short series uh, on the Beatitudes entitled The Blessed Life. And um, looking forward to going through uh, these very succinct and yet stunning um, sort of bucket overturning truths that Jesus gives to us here in uh, the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5. This is, of course, the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus establishes uh, himself as the great uh, lawgiver, but is speaking truths about the kingdom of heaven, and that's what we'll see here in the, in the Beatitudes. Let's begin at verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Lord Jesus, thank you that you still speak, and that you speak, Lord, because you desire that we understand. And we thank you that the Spirit has been given to aid us, to t- teach us a spiritual truths. And I pray, Lord, that tonight we would um, hear the voice of our shepherd, hear the voice of our Savior, and happily follow him into life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, I don't need to tell you, you, we live in a world that uh, believes deeply in the blessed life, the blessed life. Um, The common term given for it in our culture is the American dream. Uh, The idea that uh, the blessed life is available to anyone who's willing to uh, work hard and to be smart and, um, and to follow the, the, the appropriate path, and you too can have the blessed life. Find yourself a nice wife, nice job, a couple of kids, a nice house, nice car, and then you just do that for a few decades and you wind it all down with a nice retirement. And uh, that's the good life. And, uh, and people spend a lot of time and money thinking about how to attain uh, that good life, the American dream. It's not a bad life. Uh, it's just a wasted one. Uh, the question that's not asked in, uh, in the American dream is, what are people for? Why do we exist? Uh, to what end do we exist? And the American dream can't answer any of those questions except uh, the assumption that, that life is for pleasure, having your needs met, comfort, of course, we're made for so much, so much more. And Jesus here in the uh, Beatitudes um, calls us uh, to live counterculturally as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I remember, and I suppose some of others of you do as well, back when they used to have travelogues. Uh, we didn't have a TV at, uh, at, at home, and um, 
We, uh, so as, as kids, uh, when they would have a travelogue at the local high school, uh, Coopersville, Christian, uh, Coopersville High School uh, sometimes, or uh, sometimes in the church basement, but a travelogue uh, f- uh, for you, those of you who, who uh, aren't uh, up on these highly technological things was when someone would come and show slides, yeah, on an overhead projector. And it was exhilarating because we, there would be these, these guys, I remember one, I'll never forget it, uh, he had been to Iran and he came and he showed his slides. Uh, about this is when the Shah was still in power, and there, he was able to move around. And, and I was stunned as a little guy um, at, at this completely different world, a world I'd never imagined uh, existed. And, um, and that, those were travelogues. Well, uh, tonight in the Beatitudes, Jesus is, in a sense, giving us a travelogue of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, these are the customs of, the, of kingdom people. These are the, the principles of the kingdom culture. And, and we're going to see a culture in the Beatitudes, a kingdom that is wonderfully out of step with the spirit of our age. Uh, these Beatitudes are counterculture, counterintuitive, counter self reliance, counter self dependence. Uh, they are the marks of people who have come awake to the reality and glory of God. And so they are in perfect accord with the kingdom of heaven. And tonight we're just going to, we're going to take our time, we're not going to plow through these, but tonight we're going to look at the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the bankrupt, blessed are the bankrupt. Uh, before we jump into the uh, first beatitude itself, I'd just like to quickly uh, have two introductory notes. Uh, first, what does blessed mean? Uh, because we can easily think uh, blessed just means happy. Um, an experience of well-being. It has those aspects, but I think Terry Johnson is right when he, when he says the word here really refers more to a status than an emotion. And specifically, it refers to a status before God. Uh, blessed is, uh, refers to someone who is favored by God, honored by God. Someone who... Um, it tells us about how God sees us and, what, and, and God's approval, not just, not just how we feel. And that's going to be important because Jesus is going to talk about things that don't feel good at all. Blessed are those who are persecuted and, and, and falsely accused. If you've ever been falsely accused, it's not a blessed feeling. As Jesus here wants us um, not just to be happy, Jesus wants us to recognize the path to blessedness, the favor of God. And let me just ask you, isn't that really what you most deeply want? If you would, if you would ask yourself, what do I want in my life? What do I want out of life? Um, maybe you're young and you think, I just, want, I, just want a, I just want a girlfriend or boyfriend. I just want to be loved. Maybe you're a little older and you think, I just want this job. I just want this possession. Uh, I just want this career. Well, one of the benefits of getting a little older is that you, you, you realize no matter how much the Lord blesses you in those realms, it can't be what life's about. And, and, and you're recognizing that you were made for something so much more. Isn't it true? If you, if you just ask yourself, what, what at the end of the day will actually satisfy me? The answer to that is, at the end of the day, the only thing that will actually satisfy you is the thing you were created for. The only thing that will actually bring 
deep contentment and rivers of joy. It's to be in the presence of God, to behold the face of God, to experience the glory of God as He is for you. God and God alone, you see, is what we were created for. And so we have these, these list of, of blessed uh, items. Blessed are those who... And you'll notice how often Jesus just brings us right into the presence of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of heaven. We'll talk about that. These are not a, this is not a list of how to get there. If you just do these, uh, these seven quick, easy steps, right, you too can be. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a how-to list. In fact, Jesus is going to show us in the very first beatitude, this is not about merit at all. It's about declaring bankruptcy. This morning, we were reminded that Jesus is king. Well, tonight we see uh, that he has a kingdom, and these beatitudes define his kingdom, his kingdom people. These are the the values and priorities and principles which characterize the kingdom of God. Well, let's look at it together. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, We can easily assume that to be poor in spirit means maybe to be melancholy, mildly depressed, sad, Um, we've maybe heard that term used that way before, maybe we've done it ourselves. Well, that's not really what it means. Um, Jesus isn't primarily talking about the state of your emotions. He's talking about um, a state of your heart. Blessed are those who are spiritually impoverished. And um, in the Greek word, there's two separate words that you could use for, for poor. One is the general word for poor, people who, are, who lack things. The other is the word for people who are utterly um, destitute. They have nothing. Uh, we recognize there's a, there's a huge difference if we're talking about poor people in America and poor people in Haiti or India or Sudan, the slums of Bangladesh. We're, we're talking about really fundamentally different sorts of things. Both experiences of poverty, but, but, but it's not the same thing. Well, Jesus is talking here about the severe, destitute, utterly without anything sort of poverty. Blessed are those who are utterly bankrupt before God. Now, remember, Jesus is, is saying this to Jewish people, a Jewish audience, He's, he's, he's speaking to, to people who had just come to assume. It wasn't something that maybe they talked about. It was just sort of in the water. Um, the idea that they had quite a bit to bring to the table when it came to their relationship with God. They had quite a bit to offer to God. They were uh, of the right ethnicity. They had the temple. They had the priesthood. They had the sacrifices. They had the, the, the festivals. They had the law. Moses. They they had a lot of good God-honoring things uh, to to, to bring to the table, the reasons why God would approve of them. And they were very confident that God did approve of them. Remember when Jesus would be engaged with the Pharisees, and they're they're appealing to the temple, and they're appealing to Moses, and they're appealing uh, to to Abraham. Well, it, it, it just is the way that they thought, the way they assumed that things worked. It's a classic problem in, in West Michigan Christian circles as well. I, it, we're not taught this, um, but in a strange way, we, we can sort of assume, I mean, as Reformed West Michigan Christians, we bring a lot to the table. We've got strong churches that are orthodox, 
We've got good theology, a long history of good theology. We've memorized the catechism. We've got strong institutions, Christian schools, Christian colleges. And did I mention our theology? Go to church twice on Sunday? We have a lot to offer. There are reasons why God would uh, delight in us. Well, Jesus says, blessed are those who have nothing to offer. Blessed are those who are bankrupt when they come to God. Blessed are the drug addicts and the prostitutes and the tax collectors and, and the people who realize that there's not a single solitary reason within them why God should love them and show grace and mercy to them or save them. Blessed are the destitute before God. Now, now of course, everybody stands in that place. No one has any merit. Uh, but we, Jesus is saying, blessed are those who recognize it. Blessed are those who come awake to it, who realize the truth of their utter dependency and moral bankruptcy before the Lord. How does that happen? Well, in the Bible, you find that that happens by having an engagement and experience of the reality of God. It's really the only way it happens. You, this can't, in some sense, be taught. I could stand here and talk all night to you about how you need to, you need to be bankrupt before the Lord. But, but until you have an experience where the Holy Spirit helps you to see the truth of God as He is, this will just be another uh, good teaching that you can chalk up on the reasons why God should be pleased with you. But when you, when you actually come uh, by, the, by the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God to an experience of God, it's going to do something to you. Think about Isaiah back in Isaiah chapter 6. A good man, a prophet, well-respected, a man who had, lo who had lots of things to bring to the table. But at the beginning of his calling, before God could actually use him to a benefit in his kingdom, uh, God shows himself to Isaiah. I saw the Lord seated on the throne, and the, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and the, and the seraphim were flying around, covering their faces, singing, uh, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and Isaiah comes, a, comes apart psychically, that, that, that he's in the presence of the holiness of God, and he can't, he can't stand it, he can't endure it. Woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man with unclean lips, and I live among... People with unclean lips. We say and, and, and think and do wicked things before the, the thrice holiness of God. And, and, we, can't, we, and we, we can't endure it. And so when, when Isaiah sees the reality of God in his glory, uh, in truth, he's undone. And then the gospel comes and, and an angel comes and touches this coal and I've pardoned your sin. It's a beautiful picture. Uh, you had the same sort of thing, you see, um, in the story of Peter. Peter is probably my favorite disciple. A lot of similarities in, in, in terms of impulsiveness. Uh, Peter is out fishing with Jesus. You can read the story in Luke chapter 5. Jesus is actually out fishing with Peter.
Peter. Peter doesn't know it yet. Uh, Jesus says, let's row the boat out, and they do. Peter's like, okay, we haven't caught fish. We've been at it all night, Lord. The experts have been at it all night. We haven't caught anything, but at your command, if you want to, personal favor from me, Peter, the professional, to you, Jesus, um, the religious guy, uh, we'll go and we'll, we'll fish. And so they go out, and Jesus says, well, cast your nets out here in the deep. And Peter, well, everybody knows there's no fish in the deep, but he does it anyhow because Peter's a very patient man. And they, and they cast the nets out in the deep. And he starts pulling the net in, and, and they manage to catch a fish, and then more fish, and more fish, and more fish, and more fish, and the boat is starting to sink. And Peter falls on his face in front of Jesus. Woe to me, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. When Peter came into the presence of the glory, the reality of Jesus Christ, who commands fish and they obey, he's stunned and he's undone. That's, that is the path to spiritual poverty. And, and well, when, when this happens to you, and and it is a painful experience, right? If you've, if you've been, by the power of the Holy Spirit, brought into the reality of God, in his, in his holiness and his goodness and his terrifying righteousness, and you recognize the truth of your sin, it's a painful experience. But it's, a, it's, it's, it's the path to life. It's, it's, this, is, this is how we discover our poverty, and so Terry Johnson writes, the poor in spirit are characterized by the closed mouth. They have no illusions about themselves. They're no longer making excuses. One of the chief signs of poverty of spirit before God is we're, we're not making excuses anymore. They no longer rationalize their behavior or make false claims about their virtues. They've seen the darkness of their own heart. They confess their heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, that in them is no good thing. They see the smallness and the weakness and the poverty of their souls. I would suggest to you that as West Michigan Reformed Christians, I'll just speak for our tribe, we're not real good at that. I was reading a... Um, a book a while back by Jared Wilson. You can get it for, uh, uh, on Kindle right now for free. It's excellent. Uh, Jared Wilson called Imperfect Disciples. The subtitle is uh, Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together. That's a great subtitle. Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together. Uh, that's you. That's me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor uh, are, are the people who see their and embrace their need for grace. Jesus, you see, is calling us here to not just see ourselves in a certain light, but then seeing ourselves, see God in a new light. I was talking with someone today who um, was explaining to me what God is doing in her life. And she said she's been living her life. She's like 20-some years old, 27 years old, living her life. She believed in God. She said, everybody believes in God. I, I believe in God. But having, it had no impact running in her life at all, living completely for the world, for herself, for the flesh. A comfortable faith in God. And then, and then God revealed the truth of that she was going to die without Christ. And God giving her a hunger for the word. And, 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 and this God that she sort of believed in, it was, it was fascinating to me. She said that when she sort of believed in God, she was angry with God because if he existed, why wasn't he, why wasn't he blessing her? 
Why wasn't wasn't he giving her the great job and, and the great future? And then when she came to realize the truth of herself in the presence of God, all excuses, all all charging God with sin ceases and, and instead there comes a God help me. God help me. You see, you see God in a different light when you're in poverty of spirit. We, 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 um, we're, we're transformed. Uh, we, we recognize that we deeply, deeply, deeply don't deserve him and yet desperately need him. Jesus says, blessed are the people who recognize their bankruptcy because they, they receive the greatest gift, the greatest riches, the greatest wealth in all the world. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That, th- those words are stunning. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It, it, it's, it's the most blessed reality possible. It, it, it's what you were actually created for. It's what you were made for. It is, in truth, the satisfaction of every longing, and then it blows way past. You don't, you don't have the ability to long deeply enough for the glory of heaven. To be, to be given the kingdom of heaven is to be given God as your Father who loves you and knows you and claims you and cares for you, to be given Jesus as the lover of your soul, the one who gave his life on the cross for you and now claims you as his bride, his possession. And he has committed himself to be your Lord and your King forever. To to be given the kingdom of heaven means that, that God promises you eternity with him in his presence, experiencing his glory in a new heaven and earth with all the saints of God, all the angels of God. And it's to live there every moment in grace, that every bit of it is purchased for you by Christ, sealed to you in Christ. So all the glory forever goes to Christ, which is the essence of your joy. There's nothing Deeper. There's nothing, and then what? Not after the kingdom of heaven. Theirs are, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And note the present tense. It's not theirs will be, right? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom belongs right now to you. How is that so? Well, friends, think about what you have right now if, if you have come to Jesus Christ in that poverty of spirit. You've, you right now have all the love of God given to you. I've been reading, uh, I read in the past, I'm, I'm going through it again. There's a great book by Joe Coffey called uh, Red Like Blood, I believe is the title, Red Like Blood, Confrontations with Grace. <clears throat> I highly recommend it. And he, he talks about, imagine that, um, that uh, people's deepest needs, love and and. Um, affirmation or reputation. Those are really the, the, the deepest needs. He says, remember, the red M&Ms and, and green, green M&Ms. Red M&Ms are uh, your, need, your love, and so you're just out, if you're needing to be loved, you're, you just need to be approved of, you, you need affection, you're just out looking for red M&Ms. And, and if, you, if you're about being seen as important and respect and reputation, you're after green M&Ms. 
And, and, and uh, he just says there in a, in a, in a QA, he says, uh, most of the guys in my town stopped working for money a long time ago. They're just working for green M&Ms. Well, the problem is, no matter how many red M&Ms and green M&Ms you gather, it never satisfies, ever. In fact, it just destroys you, as idols always do. But when you come to Christ, when you come to the Father through Jesus Christ, when you come acknowledging your need, your desire to be loved, and you are completely unworthy to be loved, when you acknowledge your desire for honor and you've completely wrecked every aspect or reason for honor, and yet you come to God and now and He gives these things lavishly and abundantly as a free gift of grace through the blood of Jesus Christ so that right now, God's love has been poured out into your, into your heart by the Holy Spirit. Right now, you are precious in the sight of God. Right now, God promises to be with you, to be your, your shelter. He who abides in the, shadow of, in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. God is your keeper. He dwells with you. He communes with you. The Holy Spirit is, is sealing to you all the blessings that Jesus Christ has purchased for you on the cross. It, the, the blessedness begins right now to be enjoyed one, one day in all their fullness and all their glory. Well, friends, let's wrap up. How did we get this, this poverty? How do we get this blessed poverty? Well, again, the, 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 the essential thing is um, maybe just examine your life right now. Am I a person who acts like Someone who's spiritually poor? How do I... What would a spiritually poor person act like and look like? Um, they would treat people with kindness, wouldn't they? Uh, with humility and thankfulness. They, they wouldn't be angry. They wouldn't... Um, they wouldn't revile. Uh, People who have poverty of spirit wouldn't live in shame because they've recognized that, a, that Jesus Christ has washed us clean. He's taken it away. They wouldn't hide in, in secrecy their sin. They'd, they'd be willing to say, I'm the bankrupt sinner. I'm the, I'm the impoverished person. Nothing in my hands I bring. But simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look for, to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. That is the absolute confession of every impoverished saint. And we do this, all friends. We do the path to poverty as we do this in the presence of God in the gospel. This is what the cross of Jesus Christ is able to do. It's able to break through our pride. It's able to, to invite us into the freedom of the honesty, the truth of our condition. And so we don't have to make excuses. We don't have to pretend we're doing well. We don't have to just buckle down and strive to do better. You can come bankrupt. And Jesus promises you the kingdom. As we, uh, as we live together as a church, I, I just... as. I'd like us to ask the question, what would it look like as we go through these Beatitudes? What would it look like for us to do church this way? What would it look like for us to do church as the poor in spirit? 
I think it would, it would look like uh, honesty and vulnerability and humility and dependence, thankfulness. One of the, uh, this past Monday night, we had an important session meeting to talk about building expansion. It can be a touchy topic. Emotions can get ramped up. I'm not sure all the reasons that's true, but it is true. And so we began our meeting with about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes reading scripture and then praying together, acknowledging um, our utter dependence that we don't have the answers, we don't have the resources, uh, that the biggest obstacle uh, to a God-glorifying project like this is ourselves, um, and that more than anything else, we need the grace of God, that God could build something in the body here, regardless of what gets built on some property, but that, but that God could build something in the body here that really is of God, and, and, and it's a miraculous thing that God does through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit that, that honors him more than a building ever will. What, what would it look like for us as a church? It would look like vulnerability and honesty. It would look like confessing our sins to each other. It would look like refusing to be angry with each other. It looked like loving each other with kindness, having compassion. It would look like inviting people maybe who, who are visiting and, and maybe scared. And, 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 and they come and they, you, you might not think this is true, but people come in here and they look at you and they think you have it all together. Your kids are sitting here clothed in the right mind and, and, and you, look, you look successful. You drive nice cars. You live in nice homes. How are we going to communicate them, to them that we have nothing and can do nothing without Jesus. We'll have to tell them. And we'll have to love them in a way that they'll, it'll be believable. Friends, let's do church as those who are poor in spirit. In the beautiful confidence that ours is by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, God in heaven, I thank you for the, the privilege, the blessedness of being a Christian. We have nothing to bring except our need. And I thank you, oh God, that you delight to robe destitute sinners in righteousness, to promise destitute sinners the vast riches of eternity, the chief riches being given to Jesus Christ and to be with him forever. God, we are proud people by nature. We like to point to reasons why you should love us and bless us, and we just confess the sin of that. Lord, some of us are burdened with secret shame because we've, we've simply not had the courage to confess the truth to you or to anyone else that we are in desperate need and Lord I pray that you could set that soul free tonight Lord we want to we be a church that, that manifests the love of Jesus Christ in a lost world I pray that you would, Lord, teach us then as you reveal yourself to us 
the preciousness of this poverty of spirit so that people can believe that we actually do love Jesus and that we really do need Jesus and that we have nothing but he is everything. And Lord, we pray that you would build something in our midst that only you can build and for your glory. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond to the word tonight, um, a song that maybe you know. We're going to have a group come and and lead. It's not as familiar. Uh, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak, wounded, sick, sore. Uh, Jesus invites us to come in the truth of, of our need to receive all the blessings of his grace. Let's stand together and sing.